The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to wealthwatchwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. All right, Tribe, this month is another opportunity for us to share our passive income report. But this month is a little bit different. We're going to share a little bit of behind the scenes of some conversations that are happening in our mastermind as it relates to active income versus passive income. There's this constant friction of seeing, man, our investments in our own businesses always seem to be like this siren's call to put more and more money and more and more time into those when we're really not getting that lifestyle back that we wanted by investing in passive income streams. So we're going to talk about that today. We're also going to talk about your investment in private enterprise, in other businesses, where the big E of experience. If you have it, how do you leverage it to get more of what you want in terms of passive private investments? And then lastly, what are the big question marks in your mind right now as it relates to interest rates? There's a lot of talk about them. There's a lot of movement in them. And so how can we kind of demystify that right now and just share some of the thoughts that we have as well as give you a quick update on our passive income for this month. If you're looking for the behind the scenes conversations that happen in our masterminds today, you're going to get just a snippet, a little peek of what that looks like. And if you're interested in that, you want to see what it looks like to be around other people who are on this journey, calling you to action. We do have a live event coming up in January. Go to what'swhatwallstreet.com forward slash live. And you probably heard the promo earlier, but go to that because I want to see you there because I'd love to see the light bulbs go off and see how you can transform your environment in 2024 because of what you learned there. And more importantly, the relationships that you picked up there. Joey, let's jump into the podcast right now. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. All right, Stanley, I want to break this down as we're talking about the active income versus passive income dilemma. You mentioned this in the intro, there's three big points. And before we can start investing, right, we have to go through this mental hurdle of what is my alternatives? So the first big point we're covering today is really the interest rates dilemma that we're having. We're seeing interest rates at all, not all time highs, at highs for the last 20 or 30 years, right? Probably in most of our career, like professional careers, per se. I would definitely say for the majority of you listening, probably these are all time highs for you, right? But I do know that we have some people that 
um, you know, are more experienced, a little, a little more, you know, gray. And they, they went through the early eighties where interest rates were a lot higher than they are today, but for us, high interest rates. So what do we do with that? Right. How do we determine what to do with the cash that we're sitting on? Right. Many of us are still sitting on cash. We had uh, Bob Frazier share with us the trillions of dollars that are sitting in banking accounts over the last two years, mostly because of the money that came out of the CARES Act, right into people's pockets. They stuffed it in bank accounts. So what are we doing with that? What should we do with that? How do we look at investment opportunities? Should we be paying down debt? Should we leave it where it is? I want you to kind of share your point of view on this, and then I'll kind of jump in there as well. Well, so so first and foremost, I think uh, I actually shared this within our mastermind members, we have a, a networking call where we we just really talk about current events. We talk about things that we're dealing with and and try to you know su- support one another in terms of that. And one of the questions that came up was as far as risk, the, your risk mitigation strategy. And to me, that's kind of related to interest rates because that's one of the risks that's facing us, right? And to me, uh, my banking system is the greatest place for me to park capital right now because the the, insur- the insurance kind of industry in my mind is the best alternative to this because it's always outpacing the banking industry. Now there's going to be blips in time where the interest rates at banks will go up, like the CD rates will go up very quickly and then they'll come down very quickly. But overall, if you look at like historically, my take is the insurance companies will outpace that over the long haul. And so it kind of simplifies it in my mind to just have one place that I'm constantly borrowing from and paying back. And right now I'm just in a position of, let me park this capital back in to my insurance um, system so that I can mitigate the interest rate costs to me and have that money as dry powder for these big opportunities that I believe are right around the corner. That's, that's kind of my first take on this. Case. I want to jump in there because we are seeing some inverse yield curves, right? We're seeing where short-term rates are greater than long-term rates. That's not the case. The, the typical environment would be is if you lent money to someone for one year as compared to 10 years, right? By giving them money for 10 years, you're going to get a higher rate on that money, right? The longer they can have it, the more they can do with it, the higher rate that they're willing to pay for it. Well, we're seeing the opposite right now. That's what you were talking about, Joey, is with an insurance company, they're dealing in interest rates. They're dealing with long-term rates, but we've seen interest rates spike on the short-term, even outpace the long-term. That's not going to happen. We know over time that will readjust and we'll see short-term rates come down. Long-term rates will be at a premium, as they should be. The point that I want to ask, though, is that if you see short-term rates right now on treasuries, right, a risk-free you know, return of five and a quarter to five and a half percent. And I'm trying to look out there at the investment world and try to find where do I put money? I think the first question we have to ask is where do you feel like we are right now? Are we majority? What's the sentiment that you're experiencing in your networks? Are you seeing um, majority greed or majority fear? My, I'll say this. My take on that is it's mostly fear and maybe it's just because I'm watching very closely like the real estate market. And, you know, cause a lot of the people that I, or my network are in the real estate world. And, 
it's just a lot slower. People are not buying at nearly the pace, um, especially larger and higher priced homes, luxury homes are sitting much longer. You're seeing a lot of price reductions, uh, at least in my little bubble. And I don't pretend to be like the market by any means, but at least that's my perception. What about you? Well, when you say, so when it, just to be clear, if you didn't know what I meant when I asked Joey that question is right. When there's an old saying that when people are selling, you should be buying when people are buying, you should be selling. Well, that's the question we're trying to find out right now. Are people greedy, right? Are people buying or people being fearful? Right. And is that, are people selling? That's kind of the, trying to try to think about that for ourselves. And it depends on the segment, right? Like you talk about the real estate segment. You see a lot of the commercial real estate, the residential real estate space. They are very fearful right now. And you're seeing it in the returns and the the rates of things being sold. It, it seems like deals are sitting on the market way longer. Some deals are not even coming on the market because they are fearful of exposing their position and not wanting to be there. But then I had a conversation yesterday in our mastermind with three different other individuals in completely three different sectors. And they're like, man, in our world is greedy. Like I'll give you one example. Like one of the guys that runs a e-commerce brand on Amazon, he said, you know, this is the time of year where everybody's buying. We're in November recording this. So we're getting ready for black Friday. Everybody's gearing up in the retail segment. Uh, for a huge buy, but he said, just in my network, you just see people, people buy people, you know, building second homes, people who are, uh, you know, building, putting pools in, uh, friends buy, you know, with W2 jobs, buy new cars. Like I see people buying. And I think that's really interesting to try to, to figure out where are we at? And it's, it's hard because one sector is showing fear. One sector is showing greed. And for us sitting on, it's, helping us trying to determine, should we sit on the sideline, right? Should we be um, greedy when others are fearful? Are we being fearful when others are greedy? Like we got to figure out that, that pendulum and try to figure out where we sit. And I, I'm asking that question for people out there who may have lines of credit, Joey, at 9%, right? You, if you have a lot of credit against uh, a house, like, you know, that this is uh, floating with prime, many of those are in the eights and the nines. Yep. And then, we, we talk about the formula for financial freedom is when your passive income is greater than your monthly expenses. And every financial decision you make, you should measure against that because anything that you don't measure against that, one, you're probably not getting closer to financial freedom. You're probably getting further away. And secondly, you don't even know, right? So if I pay down a lot of credit, then that's going to reduce a monthly expense. My payment's going to go down for the next month and the next month and the next month. Right. And if I'm able to to reduce it and the interest rates at 9% and I'm being fearful, right? That I don't see the market growing. That could be a logical position. But if you're in one of those things where you're seeing major opportunities and you're in the greed segment, even with a 9% lot of credit, you might be able to find opportunities that could outpace that. Now I'm, I'm all ears to hear some of those opportunities and I'm interested in what those look like, but I think that's a real thing, right? Right now, it is. you don't know, should we just should we just keep it in treasury? Should we pay down our line of credit on our life insurance policies at, you know, at the insurance companies or whatever? Or should we pay down a lot of credits against our home? Or should we be greedy right now because everybody is being super fearful? 
So but I, let me let me throw one little add-on to that because I, I don't think we can answer that for you. That's where your experience level, that's where your exposure to ideas and opportunities that exist, that really is to me the, where the pendulum swings if we're talking about that. If you have more experience, experience and exposure, you're going to actually want to, in my opinion, out try to outpace that line of credit with those investments because, and I'm going to add this one thing, and maybe it's just I'm scarred from 2009, or 2009, 2010, but as soon as you start paying down that line of credit against your house, it is no longer your money, okay? I'm just going to tell you, the banks are in a position where they will start to hold back your access to your line of credit because they know that the values can go down and they don't they don't want to be holding the back. And so I'm just telling you, I've seen it with my own eyes where you, you think you have a line of credit for X amount, they come and they cut that in half or they do away with it all together as soon as you start to pay it down. And that that to me is like, man, if, if I can keep that liquidity at all cost, I'm going to focus on the other side, trying to maximize my returns in the other investments that are available to me. And you're saying that you do that even at, at currently at a negative arbitrage, meaning that right now you're taking dollars and you're paying down a life insurance policy loans, which at are at five and maybe upwards of 6%. You know, we've seen a little tick up with, with some of those loan rates, but you may even have a lot of credit at 9% against a home equity lot of credit. And you're, instead of taking that dollar and putting it to pay down the 9% at the, at the house loan, you're going to the insurance loan and paying it down. So you're costing yourself in essence, 3% for the, for the benefit of access keeping the money and not having to worry about the line of credit being reduced. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe I need to talk to my therapist about the scars from those days of working at Wells Fargo and seeing those lines of credit cut off. But that's, that to me is a small price to pay to to maintain the liquidity. Well, I think the benefit is, is that you have that option, right? Like you have a lot of credit, you have loans against your insurance policies. People ask me all the time, Hey, What's the first thing I do when I get a windfall? I say, do you have a loan against your life insurance policy? <laughs> like the first place I always think about is I go pay down that because it's a safe haven. I know I can get it back anytime the next day if I wanted to. I don't have to immediately have the reinvestment risk. But for for you, if you don't have this life insurance set up, okay, well then that's an issue. You probably need to figure out does setting up an infinite banking system makes sense to you. Go to westwildwallstreet.com for slash free call and you can talk to one of our coaches. They can help you under, understand if that's a um, a solution for a pain that maybe you have. But if you have life insurance policies and you paid off all the loans, right? What are you telling them now, Stallion? They got they got no loans against their life insurance policies. So I can't pay down that. I got loans against my house at 9%. I'm, I'm feeling... The sentiment around me being, you know, I'm feeling a little fearful. I'm not looking at investments. I'm not seeing investments that have a risk uh, return profile great enough to make me get out there. What then? I think it's time to get a new circle, right? It's time to get exposure to the deals. The deals are there. That's not the problem. And I think that this is, you know, we see this every day, Rush. You know this. When people come to Wealth Without Wall Street, they, what's the number one thing they're asking? What do you guys invest in, right? What, if it's wealth without Wall Street, like it's just a whole new world. It's almost like you're looking down at a tunnel and you're like, 
I can only see very little opportunities that would be outside of Wall Street. How do I get involved in that? And that's where I'd say, man, the exposure and being in the right rooms, uh, man, it makes all the difference in the world. I do want to encourage you that this time of year, you can be very reflective and you can start to think about, man, what am I, what's my 2024 going to look like? And if you're not in the right rooms, it's going to look very similar to what it is this year. But if you're in the right rooms, uh, man, we've had story after story after story of people who joined us at our live event and said, man, I'm quitting my job four months later. Like that, that is a game changer and it will give you, in my opinion, the confidence and the exposure that you need to get to the next level. Mm, that's so good. You should write that down somebody. It, are you in the right rooms? You need to maybe get in a new room, right? Maybe you need to get in a new house. That's that's the that's the key. Successful people spend time with successful people. Broke people spend time with broke people. Assess your environment. And if you're in the wrong room, get a new room. All right. Second point on our on our topic list today is to cover how do we as investors, so maybe we are a skilled investor at this point. Maybe we have skills. Maybe we have a unique ability. I think we all have those. Now, whether or not we can translate those for value, right? My, my son can do four backflips in a row on the trampoline. He showed them to me, by the way. He did. That, there, it's amazing. It's impressive. It's impressive. And, and there's, you know, Las Vegas is full of people who can do <laughs> stuff like that. So maybe at some point he's got an opportunity. We got to find a way to get paid for that unique ability. And for for every one of us, we have this unique ability and we've seen this personally for what we've done and what, you know, some of our network has done where they're getting paid for the big E. Now, when I say the big E, Joey, we're talking about the E in the redneck motor for ways that you could do deals. Remind everybody what the redneck motor is. All right. So if you haven't heard us talk about the redneck motor, it's the M-O-T-E-R. This is how deals are put together. And you don't have to have all aspects of a motor. You just have to have the key ones that are missing in someone else's deal. You got to have money, right? You got to have opportunity. You have to have time, experience, or relationship. Again, you don't have to have all five of these but you got to have the one that's missing for someone else's deal. And that's what we're talking about. The big E is experience. So talk a little bit about what you mean for someone who has this like vast knowledge um, and has this experience. How do they add that value and get paid for it? If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system. Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30 second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. We've made investments, right? Into businesses and had 
passive income, if you will, right? Where we have other people running those businesses, operating those businesses, and we're just using some of our E, right? Whether it's big or small, right? We're using some of that experience that we have and giving matters, Russ. Right. Giving value to those businesses so that they can have success as well. And as a result, we're able to get paid, right? We maybe we have a percentage in the company because of that equity. And we have people in our network that I mean, I saw guys check this month was over thirty thousand just from one company that he's involved in. He, he's put no money into it, just used experience, and he's able to extract over thirty thousand dollars just for this one month. And I and I know he's involved in several others, so he has a six figure per month and basically uh, return on experience, right? We talk about return on investment. He's got return on experience that's put him in a position to take advantage of it. And I, I think that we need to talk about this with our, with you as you're listening, because maybe you have experience and maybe there's deals, maybe there's opportunities around you where people are, are looking to put together money. They're looking to, to, to build new relationships. Maybe you haven't, that experience for that opportunity that you can be involved in, that you can start extracting some passive income and multiplying the value of that business. What are some of those things that people need to consider, Joey? How do they win? How can they get involved? What does that even look like? Well, I, I'm going to give you a really practical example. Uh, one of our Inner Circle Plus members um, in, in our mastermind, he uh, he's an engineer, structural engineer, and he has a real desire to get into the syndication world. He wants to be a part of uh, multifamily deals. He's, he's very good at analyzing deals and he loves, he loves the whole idea, but admittedly he would tell you, he's not going to be the capital raiser, right? He's not going to be the guy that's going and bird dogging deals necessarily. But what we had just in in a conversation one time in one of our our networking meetings that we have each month, he was kind of bringing up you know this desire, and I said, "Well, have you ever thought about how important and how valuable your structural engineer background is on deals that exist?" And he's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Do you not believe?" that there are multifamily deals that are being done every day where they need the expertise of a structural engineer in order to renovate this entire project, to add new buildings, to um, revamp, you know, something that's already existing in a project. And they would love to have an expert like you involved in their deal. In fact, they might even put you as some part of the general partnership just because of that one, like just that experience. And he was like, I never kind of thought about it like that. I said, well, you're not in a position where you just want to quit cold turkey, which your regular day job is, and go and do this. There's probably not enough deals like that, that you could just immediately, you know, go and do that. But what if you could slowly but surely build yourself up as that person to go to in this world and start networking with those expertise and then make a difference and also continue to grow your own brand, so to speak. And it was just like, he's like, wow, I never thought about using something like it's second nature to him. 
right? And, and many of you are listening right now. You have a skill, you have an expertise, you have a training, something that is literally like, you know, it like the back of your hand, but someone out there desperately needs that experience to make their deal work. And man, you're, it's your job to just make those connections and get paid for the experience that you've put in. You've had hours and hours and years and years in that field that are very valuable to somebody else who doesn't have that. I'm going to add one other element before we jump into point number three here is that when you have that experience and that experience could be like Joey just said in that very specialized area, maybe it's a negotiation experience. Maybe you're an attorney or a CPA. Maybe you have some very um, industry-based knowledge. Maybe you have influence, right? You have the ability to have conversations with other people that will make that deal better over time. Well, maybe you are an investor in the deal too, but maybe you can lobby to get extra benefit off your investment that the average person couldn't, who's just bringing capital to a deal so that, yeah, maybe now instead of just getting that 8% prep, right? Maybe only getting that 50-50 waterfall split. Maybe you're able to get a 9% prep. Maybe you're able to get a, a little bit of the GP. So maybe your equity uh, on the on the back end when it sells is bigger because of the big E that you're able to bring into that deal. So never never think that one deal is just um, it is what it is, right? Like everything's a negotiation, everything's an opportunity. What are you bringing a value? Can you figure out a way to make your four back flips worth something? And if you can, get something out of it. All right, so we covered the kind of the interest rate dilemma here, Joey. We talked a little bit about. How do we use the big E into getting extra return on our dollars, extra return on our experience? The third is I want to talk a little bit about the active involvement versus passive involvement dilemma. So let me set this up. Let's use the land flipper, right? Your land investor, one of our good buddies, Mark Kodowski, the land geek, right? They're, they're total interest rate snobs. <laughs> they, 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 they don't do a deal unless it earns 72%, right? Like that's just, that's just the way they look at everything. And they're like, man, I mean, I, I, I could do deals in my land business and I earn 72%. Yeah. It's going to be paid out over the next four to five years in notes, but be honest, it's going to end up being greater than that because, you know, 25% of these guys are going to default. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to resell it. And here comes this other investment, this passive investment. And maybe it's only earning 10%, 16%, 20%. Still, that doesn't get them out of bed, they say. But they do nothing for it. Completely passive, 100% operated and run by someone else. How do you help someone go through that divide to understand the difference between active involvement, active business return versus passive return? I really believe it comes down to your vision, right? What is your ultimate lifestyle goal? And here's the thing. If you're a land flipper and you've built all the systems and you've created uh, an employee, like an employee hierarchy where they, they are working your business a hundred percent for you and your calendar is clear of meetings. Good for you. I mean, that's, probably the easiest way to create the most passive income in the world is to take an active business and create a passive business out of it. In fact, part of our passive income mastermind, 
we have dedicated calls specifically for that purpose because most everybody in our group has an active business and they're they are literally trying to turn that into their best passive income source but for others they're stuck and they're it's almost like a drug right that man if i put more money and more time into my active business my active income will increase and that's a win for me but i'm going to just kind of fair warn you greater income active income does not equal freedom. And I, that's a lesson I learned early on in the mortgage business. Man, all this income I'm starting to make, I'm living well below my means. I'm thinking, this is amazing. But what was it doing? It was siphoning off the most important thing to me was time with my family, presence with my family, right? And not just being around them, but man, being mentally capable of engaging with my family and investing in my family. That doesn't happen if your phone is constantly going off and you're constantly the bottleneck of your of your income. And so I that's that's my initial thoughts. What would you add to that, Russ? Well, when you're thinking passive, that is like you said, it, it is allowing you not to have active involvement, something on your calendar that requires you to show up. It also means the responsibility falls 100% on that other third party. And we've got to pick good operators. We've got to, we've got to have trusted people doing quality things. We, I recently heard on a podcast that said, if you're in a good deal with a bad partner, it's a bad deal. But if you're in a bad deal with a good partner, you'll figure it out. So I do think we have to find the good people to be partnered up with. When we're investing, investing in, we need to know those people. We need to see the opportunities, know how they act when things go bad. That's good. Because when you're you're an active participant, even if you are truly just managing a deal and you've got all of these people, at some level though, your brain is, is still connected to it. You're thinking about it. As we look at our passive income report, Joey, on a monthly basis, how much just on a minute basis, have you considered our land investing business? Uh, I would say less than one minute. <laughs> I mean, really, it, it was the one and a half or two minutes I spent when I pulled it up in order to help us put this report together. Right. Exactly. To look at the report to see that this month net with our partners in the deal who are running it fully for us, we made over $20,000 in passive income for last month. Yeah, October, right? That's super passive. Now, yes. I we don't show our active businesses on this report, but we, you know, we have six figure per month, you know, active incomes. And when we look at those those businesses, regardless of the team that we have running, that we have an amazing team, it requires us to be involved. It requires time and effort. I don't go on vacation. You know, I know you make fun of me. When I took a month off in June. I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking about the business, figuring out opportunities that we could be doing for the the next business idea alongside of this business, right? <laughs> but I spent zero, I spent zero thoughts on the businesses that are 100% I'm passive in, someone else is running when they are quality people running. That's right. So can I? There's a value there for us to to determine that, Yes, we can make a lot more money investing in our own businesses, being involved, building a team, 
But people make their build their wealth doing that one thing. But what do they do with that wealth? They start investing in other things. That's right. I, I want to point out one other thing on our report. Um, as you, if you'll keep that up. So, you know, there's a there's a different approach to Turo that Russ and I both did. Russ decided, you know what? I don't know about this Turo thing. I'm going to try it myself. I'm going to go ahead and buy a car. I'm going to put it on the platform. I'm going to learn how to post it. I'm going to learn how to manage the text back and forth to the people renting it, the drop-off, the pickup, the car wash, the cleaning. Did I mention anything? Did I forget something? There's more to that list. <laughs> Man, you know, how fast should you escape in a repossession? Exactly. What are what sort of heat are you packing when you go to do your own repossession? What type and, of ozone machine do you use whenever <laughs> you're trying to get the weed smoke out of it? Do you do you use vanilla with the baking soda in the car? Uh, yeah. You know? So so you get the point. Russ chose a very active passive income approach to Turo. And I chose a completely passive by hiring a management company to do it for me. Now I made, uh, Russ, I don't, can you enlarge this a little bit? I, the month of October, it looks like I netted $602 and you netted how much? I can't read that number. What was it, Russ, that you netted in October? I netted three eighty-seven. Okay, but but after the amount of hours and the uh, potential citations that you had to pay for carrying a firearm into an apartment complex <laughs> to uh, repo your your truck, I mean, what was the net net on that three hundred and eighty-seven dollars, Russ? I, <laughs> oh man, significantly I am. lower. I'm, I'm, I'm in the red. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, by the way, this was only for the first two weeks of October because after, after the, uh, after all of that, I, I took it off the, I took it off the platform completely. Oh, well, here's the point. There is a cost to active involvement. And I'm, I'm just telling you when we're, when we're talking about passive income for the purpose of financial freedom, you have to think in light of lifestyle. And that's where I, again, I'm going to kind of camp out on that for, for this topic today, the active versus passive. Could I potentially make more if I, you know, like for my, for instance, my RV, I know other people who manage their RV themselves. They, they go and drop it off. They pick it up, like all these sort of things. But to me, the mental and the operational cost of doing it is far better to have someone else doing that for me. And anyways, that's what I just want to challenge you with. If you don't have those opportunities, it's time to find them. It's time to get in the rooms where these things are being talked about and share the experience other people have so that you can get to financial freedom as fast as possible. I, I love that. So Travel, hopefully you enjoyed this uh, edition of our passive income report as we broke down the three topics, the interest rate dilemma, the big E, how do, how do we invest uh, using our experience and also the, the active versus passive involvement dilemma. This is uh, another episode that we bring to you to kind of let you see behind the scenes, pull back the curtain on what we're doing personally, but also the conversations we're having in these masterminds. 
One last plug for the Passive Income Mastermind. Go to thepassiveincomemastermind.com. If you're interested in joining a mastermind and being involved and having people who can pull you up to the next level, maybe your room is not the right room, as Joey said, but maybe you're the right person to be in the right room. That's an amazing place for you to start. And we have two different groups there that uh, you can uh, apply to see if that's a good situation for you. Stallion, thank you for uh, beating up on me today. You did a good job. I, I'm glad that you're able to, you know, pull out a victory in the Turo space. Uh, from this point forward, any any positive numbers you put up are better than my zeros because I'm gonna have zeros from this point forward. And uh, I'm looking for the day that hundred unicorns doesn't post a red number on this thing that pulls us down. But we're still, even with you losing forty three hundred dollars in the hundred unicorns in the month of October. We still brought in $38,983. It would have been over 40000 without that, but um, hey, it's going to happen. The the tribe is cheering me on, Russ, and I'm telling you, it's not far. Look look around the corner, and I'm going to come I'm gonna come after you, okay? It's going to okay. come on you like a yeah, you, just freaking... It's going to be, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a stallion on the back of a white unicorn with <laughs> rainbow colored mane. That's right. Stay tuned. All right. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.